Hello, and welcome to the Bethesda Podcast feed. It's here you can find all of our recorded services. And for more information, you can visit us at gobethesda.com. We hope you enjoy. We're in Big Little Books, part 33. Don't y'all love my series? They're enormous. They're, in, they're huge. They're just part 33. That's so funny. Uh, so yeah, Big Little Books, part 33. This is Jonah, chapter 4. We're going to finish up the book of Jonah tonight, which I'm excited about. I'm excited about that. We had a great day Sunday. Uh, man, some great things happening here at Bethesda. All right, let me say a prayer. We'll jump right in. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you would just lead us into it, show us things that are in there, God. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, chapter 4. So remember, chapter 1, he's called, he runs. Chapter 2, he's in the belly of the well, he prays. Chapter 3, he's projectile vomited 350 miles to the air, and he lands, and he walks into Nineveh, and he preaches, and uh, that's where we are. It's amazing what takes place. So, chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, so here's the deal. Everybody repents, and this is what happens next. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. This is so weird. This is what every preacher dreams about. This is your dream gig, a large crowd. 600,000 people are listening. We're wanting to expand this building to 300, and we're all excited about that, which is great and exciting. 600,000. I mean, virtual views on gigantic churches, that doesn't even come close. 600,000 people, gigantic crowd. Jonah gets the opportunity to preach to this huge crowd. And if that's not all enough, uh, if that's not enough, all of them were able to, to they, they heard, they listened. Not just the vibrations hitting their eardrum, they paid attention to what he was saying. It's one thing for an audience to hear the noise, but it's another thing for them to listen, to pay attention. Because I know how y'all are, because sometimes I'm an audience, playing on your phone, checking your Instagram, the gram, you know, you're checking your Facebook, you're, you're texting, you're making your grocery list, uh, playing words with friends, sleeping, among other things. But Jonah's audience, they're listening, they're paying attention, and they got the message. They got it. It cut through. It hit the mark. It hit the target. And that's not where it ends either. Because then they heeded to his preaching. They responded. It's like Jonah said, every head bowed and every eye closed. Musicians will come. Not really, but you know what I'm and then he's like, now if this message is for you, I want you to come to this front as fast as you can. And 600,000 people stormed the front. They all ran up front. Everybody responded. So this is a dream gig for, for Jonah. I mean, 100% came up front. Years ago, uh, I went with a ministry team into a prison facility in San Diego County. I think it was the old Las Colinas facility. It was a women's prison, and it was right on the border of Mexico. 
And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I, I was young, new in ministry, and I, I'm out there, and, and we go in, and, and uh, there was a stage. It was an outdoor uh, event. This is Southern California. This is sunny Southern California. It was an outdoor event, and there was a stage out there, and between the stage and where the ladies were sitting in these chairs, there was about six or eight feet. Well, actually, there was a little bit of concrete in front of the stage, and then there was like six or eight feet of, of, a, of a flower bed. And, and uh, we're uh, singing a song. We're doing this old Dan Dean song from Phillips, Craig, and Dean. We're doing this old Dan Dean song called uh, I Choose to Be a Christian. And Dan's my pastor's brother, and this was a big hit. And So we're, we're doing this old song, I Choose to Be a Christian. Man, we're just singing, I choose to be. Anybody know that old song? Oh, y'all do. Wow, cool. So I choose to be a Christian. And so we're doing that song. And as we did, like, it just started, it started happening, you know what I mean? Like, it was, it was on. And before long, those ladies are up, and they're running, and, and uh, jumping, and shouting, and praising God. And I'm telling you, they all stormed the front. They came up to the altar, quote-unquote, area, and they were running. And that flower bed didn't stop them. They literally leaped. They were doing, like, long jumps, you know, like, you know, landing. And, pray, and we prayed a bunch of them through to the Holy Ghost right there under the golden sunshine, singing, I choose to be a Christian. They all responded. I thought that was success. That's what I would call uh, success, but not Jonah. 600,000 people hear, heed the word, they respond. You would say, man, that's amazing, that's success, not Jonah. He was... The the Bible puts it like this. He was exceedingly displeased. He was mad. The, he's going to get mad. The Hebrew for exceedingly displeased means to be vehemently disagreeable. Have you ever eaten something that was vehemently disagreeable with your system? That's how Jonah was with what was happening right there. He, he was exceedingly displeased. He was vehemently disagreeable. He disagreed with the whole situation. That's why he, he didn't want to go in the first place. His philosophy was this. They don't deserve a chance. They shouldn't get a warning. They deserve to be destroyed. I can't believe I preached. I can't believe they listened. I can't believe they've responded. I can't believe they're actually repenting and fasting. This is so wrong. I completely disagree with this whole situation. And as he stood on this, he got madder and madder and madder because there was nothing he could do to undo what had already be, been done. And so he was just mad. The Hebrew for angry, when it says he got angry, means to burn with anger, to be incensed. Jonah was seething with anger. We would say it like this. He's just boiling mad. He was just boiling mad. He was so mad. And, and he, he decided he was going to have a little prayer meeting. He was so mad, he decided to go to God in prayer. Now here's, you know, we used to sing that old song. Now let us have a little talk with Jesus. Let us. He will. He will. Oh, you know a little fire is burning. We're not on live stream. Have a little talk with Jesus makes it right. Jazz hands. You know, like, 
We used to sing that song, you know, prayer, man. That, that, and that's a great song, and that's all true. But Jonah's post-revival prayer meeting, this is a post-revival. This is, this is the biggest revival service in the history of revival services. 600,000 absolute heathens respond to the preaching of a prophet of the Lord. And, and Jonah is disagreeable. Jonah's boiling mad, infuriated, and he goes to God in prayer. And, and here's what his prayer really was. It was a bellyaching session where he goes to file a complaint on God to God. Let me give you a piece of my mind. That's what he was saying. It's one of those meetings. You ever had one of those meetings? Hey, I, I'm a pastor. I get that sometimes. Hey, pastor, I need to talk to you. I want to give you a piece of my mind. You know? <laughs> it was, God, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And so here we go, verses 2 and 3. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore, I fled previously to Tarshish. Now, this is interesting. Tarshish means the place of the stone. This is in Spain. This is near the Straits of Gibraltar by the rock of Gibraltar. So he fled to this hard place because his heart was hard. And he said, for I know, I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. With these stupid Ninevites out here repenting. That's the idea. He's so dramatic, you know what I mean? Just melodramatic. Just Seriously? Now, he says, I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Notice this. While God is slow to anger, Jonah is quick to anger. My dad, y'all, y'all, here's something y'all don't know about my father. My dad used to do magic shows. Well, he taught Sunday school, and he decided to become a magician and he called himself Marty the Magician my dad yeah and he went and bought all these magic tricks and and uh I mean he he he's pretty good at it he still does this thing where he makes dollar bills disappear my dad he used to uh, I can make dollar bills disappear you know what I mean I can make that happen quick (laughs) but he, he would like He'd, you know, like make it, like put it in his hand and it's gone. And, and he was good. He could do that with cigarettes, even lit cigarettes. He'd get a, a he's like, you, hey, hey, let me see your cigarette. Well, I'm still smoking. He's like, that's okay. Let me see it. And he'd, he'd grab the cigarette and he's like, watch this. And he'd, he'd like, he'd do it. watch this. I got, I got my lapel mic. He'd, he'd do this right here. And, and uh, then he'd say, hand me your cigarette. Get that cigarette. And he said, I'm just going to put it in my hand. And he would shove it down in there, and, and then he'd go, it's gone. And, and he would make it disappear. Now, my dad would also, because my dad didn't like cigarettes, my dad would say, hey, I got this magic trick. I, let, me see your, your, let me see your lucky strikes. Let me see your camels. Let me. And so he'd get somebody's pack of cigarettes. He's like, no, here's what I'm going to do. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crush them all, and I'm going to say a magic word, and they're all going to come back together. And so he would, like, crush them. And smash them, and they're like, hey, man, that's like five bucks, you know, back in the day. And he's like, 
he'd say, oh, man, I forgot the word. So he would do that, and then he'd end up buying them a pack of cigarettes. And then he would cut people's ties, too, do the same thing with ties. He's like, I can cut your, I'm going to cut your time off. Say a magic word is going to come back together. They'd be like, I forgot the word. He made a lot of people mad. But I'm just saying. My dad did all these magic tricks. It was, it was hilarious. And, and one of the, uh, yeah, so next time he's down, you just ask him about Marty the Magician. You go ahead, Logan. You ask him about that because I'm telling you, my dad was uh, Marty the Magician. And, uh, but he used to have this flash paper. And so it, it would just, it was amazing stuff. You would just like barely catch it on fire. And it, was, it would just like flash and burn up. And he would use it for different tricks. And I loved the flash paper. That's how Jonah was with his anger. He, he, was, he, just, he just blew up, uh, and then, but it didn't disappear. It, it did keep on going. It was the flame that kept flaming. So, you know, we say, that just burns me up. That was Jonah. And Jonah, <clears throat> Jonah's, he's disappointed that his God is slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents from doing harm. I mean... At least when God's dealing with people that Jonah doesn't like. Right? Now, he's all about that for himself. Like when he's in the belly of the whale and stuff like that. But when God's dealing with people he, he don't like, he's like, why do you like that, God? He doesn't like that. Remember Jesus said this, Matthew 5, love your enemies, do good to those who persecute you, you know, despitefully use you. Remember he said, Luke 23, on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Well, that's, that's the heart of the Father. But Jonah didn't like that. Now, Jonah wanted a chance, like I said, in the well. Jonah wanted Israel to have a chance. They were backslidden. Jonah wanted Judah to have a chance, but not those doggone Ninevites. Jonah was ticked off. Because God gave the Ninevites a chance. Sworn enemies of Judah and Israel, brutal, vicious. They were notorious for splitting up families. They would capture people, split their families up, send them thousands of miles away from each other. They murdered people, committed atrocities, war crimes, genocide. Jonah wanted God to destroy them. Now to get some real perspective, and I've already mentioned this, but let me, let me dial it in just a little bit closer and make this make sense from Jonah's perspective. Because it's easy to be tough on Jonah, but you got to check this out. Nineveh is in Iraq. Mosul. Mosul is, is right there at Nineveh. So there were a lot of battles at Mosul. Mosul is the place where ISIS was headquartered. It's where the caliphate was centered. So imagine telling a Jew in Jerusalem, you need to go to Mosul, to ISIS, to Al-Qaeda, to Osama bin Laden down there, and you need to preach to them that God's going to forgive them and show them incredible mercy. It's a tough assignment. It really was a tough assignment it's like asking a new york jew to go to germany during world war ii 
and, and they've heard about Auschwitz and they've heard about all the stuff and the atrocities. Go preach to Hitler and Goebbels and all those guys because God's going to show them mercy. It's a tough job. That's a tough assignment. Jonathan Swift, the 18th century guy who wrote A Modest Proposal, Gulliver's Travels, and some others, he wrote some verses that expressed Jonah's frame of mind. Listen to this. We are God's chosen few. All others will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven crammed. Right? That's kind of where Jonah was. Us four and no more. He was done with the Ninevites. And then he said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Jonah knew, as we said, that God was full of mercy and grace and that was the very reason why he didn't want to go preach in Nineveh. He was afraid they would repent. He was afraid. He was afraid they would say, Lord, we're sorry. Forgive us. He was afraid of that. And the thing he greatly feared came upon him. Those people repented. Jonah himself had called on the mercy of God, enjoyed the mercy of God when it was extended to him. But these people he didn't like. What if God treated Jonah the way Jonah wanted God to treat the people of Nineveh? He said, for it's better for me to die than to live. So the repentance and salvation of the people of Nineveh was such a dramatic thing for Jonah that he just assumed die as witness that. Jonah, Jonah had fled not out of fear that he would fail, but out of fear that he would succeed. In the whale, pre-revival, he was praying to live. But out of the whale, post-revival, he's praying to die. Such a drama queen. Now, here's the deal. I will say this. You know, having preached and then he's praying to die. If you're a preacher, there have been some Sundays. I just got to be honest. I'm like, God, you can take me now. That was terrible. It wasn't because I succeeded. It was because I felt like I had failed. Uh, so anyhow, all the preachers say amen. Verse 4. Then the Lord said, it is, right, uh, is it right for you to be angry? So it, check this out. By Jonah like ex- being honest, he's expressing his his. Anger to God, he's being honest. At least he's being honest about his feelings. Honesty is a good thing. But here's the deal. His feelings were not in alignment. They were not in agreement with God. That's bad. He was vehemently disagreeing with God. That's bad. And I love it because God, instead of blasting Jonah into oblivion, he just begins to ask him a series of questions. God sometimes just responds by asking us questions that make us think. They're provocative. They make us ponder and reconsider Uh, like in Genesis 3 you know after Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit he's like where are you who told you you were naked what have you done he comes to Cain where's your brother what have you done Uh, in 1 Samuel what have you done talking to Samuel to Saul why did you despise the word of the Lord doing what is evil in his eyes 2 Samuel 12 Isaiah 6 whom shall I send who will go for us Matthew 16, Jesus to his disciples, 
Who do you say that I am? Uh, Matthew 20, what do you want me to do for you? To Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? Acts 9, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? The Lord has a way of asking those questions that make us think. Sometimes instead of just giving us statements, questions come that cause us to dig a little deeper. Have you ever been angry at God? Did he ever handle a situation in a way that you thought uh, was not the best way to handle it? I remember, I remember being in a prayer room years ago in my home church, and I was just a young guy just trying to find my way, figure out things, and uh, I was, thank God I found my way to the prayer room. By the way, we have pre-service prayer every Sunday here at 9 o'clock. It's fantastic. It's powerful. And uh, we have First Monday prayer. That's a great thing, too. 7 o'clock on first Monday of every month. Well, I had found my way to the prayer room. I'm a young man. And I get on my knees. I bow down at this, this altar bench thing, uh, praying. The old church in Bossier, uh in the Sunday school rooms is where we used to pray upstairs. And I'd made my way to the prayer room. And I knelt down by this older saint. He, to me, he was ancient of days. He was always ancient of days. He might have been 50 years old. I don't know what he was at the time, but... Uh, I knelt down next to this saint, and I just I couldn't help it, but I overheard him praying, and and he was just praying uh, these prayers like and naming names of people that I knew in the church, and and they weren't happy prayers. He's like God, you know, I want you to get him, get that guy. You know what he did to me, Lord. I want you to get him, like sick him. That's why I felt like he was saying, "Get him, God." And we had a wealthy banker in the church. And then he starts praying about him. And I'm overhearing this. I'm a kid. And I'm over here, and he's going, he's like, Lord, you know, I just pray that brother so-and-so would just, you know, forgive me of that big old loan I took out, you know. <laughs> I'm hearing all this. And uh, it was kind of blowing my mind, you know. I'm like, I, I know. I know these guys. This guy sounded angry. And, and, and don't get me wrong. There really is theologically such a thing as imprecatory prayers. You see them throughout the Psalms uh, where David would pray against particular people. Uh, I've taught about that here, but uh, that old guy that was praying those prayers, he's long gone. But, but I lived long enough to see uh, that, that banker's still around, sort of. He's still around. He's old, much older, but I know who he is. And uh, I, I just feel like... Um, I just feel like that 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 guy. Um, everybody seemed to do okay, in spite of that guy's prayers. Um, when God doesn't come through the way we think He should, when we disagree with what He does, when He blesses someone that we think He ought to clobber, we have a tendency to get mad at God. That old guy was mad at God. God wasn't working the way he wanted God to work. And so God asked this question to Jonah. He said, is it right for you to be angry? And the answer to that question is no. That, that's, that's a given, no. Here's something we need to consider. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways and his thoughts above our thoughts. God's looking on from above. He's got a 30,000-foot perspective. 
He knows the end from the beginning. He's circumspect. He, he sees all the angles. And here we are on earth. He sees the big picture. So the idea is this. Don't be angry with him. Be quick to agree with him. Be quick to repent and turn and say, God, your ways are not my ways. I'm going to make my ways your ways. I accept your ways. Are you with me? Isn't this exciting? Verses 5 through 8. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as the morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it just withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for him. This guy was obsessed, right? He wished death for himself and said, it is better for me to die than to live. Drama. So Jonah goes out of the city till he might see what would become of the city. Holding out hope to the bitter end that their repentance was not legitimate, that it was just, you know, an inch deep, didn't really get down to their hearts. Maybe his new converts had quickly, like that plant, they had just quickly withered and backslidden. He's just hoping. And so he evacuates the city. Hope, hoping that fire and brimstone comes down. He's like, for a guy that wanted to die all the time, if he thinks the fire and brimstone's coming, it's kind of funny. He goes and gets on a hill because he wants to see them die. That, that's really, that would make him want to live. So he goes out of the city. Really, he's holding out hope to see what might become of the city. So he goes and he gets on the hill and he's watching, hoping against all hope that the fire and brimstone, he's going to get a, a, a front row seat to the show. While he's out there waiting, he, he builds us something or another, some kind of shelter of some sort, but it's not lasting. And, and then God, uh, the, the Lord causes this, this plant to, uh, to come up over Jonah. So we've seen this where God, God is a prepper. He's always preparing. God prepared a storm to redirect Jonah. God prepared a great fish to rescue Jonah. God prepared a plant to protect Jonah. And I looked up what kind of plant this might be, and believe it or not, there's definitely some uh, speculation on particular plants from that region. God prepared a plant to protect him. God prepared a worm to instruct Jonah. And God prepared an east wind to blow Jonah's mind. So God prepares this plant. Some say it's a castor bean plant. They can have... 18-inch leaves and grow three feet a day and that kind of stuff. I, we don't know for sure, but it could have been. Uh, the purpose of the plant was, was to shelter him from the sun. And uh, Guzik says this, we could, and, and Jonah was happy about the plant. He was, he was, finally, we get a smile on his face. The plant comes up and Jonah's like, 
finally things are moving in my direction. Right? 600,000 people responded to his preaching. And he's like, I want to die. Plant comes up and he's like, finally, something's going my way. I mean, think about how silly that is. He's like, 600,000 people repented. They're saved. Oh, that's horrible. But I've got my plant. Thank God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this plant. Woo. I love this plant. It's a great plant. Oh, what a relief. Finally. Stupid Ninevites. God, get them. Sick them. Got this plant. Love this plant. And so, finally, Guzik says this, we could say that Jonah's happiness was just as fleshly as his anger. Really, they both were about self. It's all about Jonah. And then, um, then it says that, uh, you know, God prepared a worm. And the worm got up in his plant. And, and weakened it. So when the sun came up, it just withered. It's like, my plant. And then, it says Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But then, the worm eats, messes it up. The sun withers it. And then he's back to, it's better for me to die. Stupid plant. When God took the plant and the shelter away from Jonah, he just, he just wanted to die. I just want to die. This, this is just silly. A plant was an idol to him. F.B. Meyer says this, How often our gourds, which the King James talks about it being a gourd, how often our gourds are allowed to perish to teach us these deep lessons. In spite of all we can do to keep them green, their leaves turn more and more sere and yellow until they droop and die. God's teaching Jonah something. Verses 9 through 11. Then God said to Jonah, here's a question. He's using questions. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, is it right for me to be angry even to death? But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock so he says this is it right for you to be angry about the plant and so Jonah is just foolish enough to say you're doggone right I have a right to be angry about the plant and I just want you to just take me now just kill me no that's not the point that's not the point he's angry here blowing up again thank God God was slow to anger you know because that could have escalated really quick. Now, here's the deal. He says, he says, it is right for me to be angry, even the death. These are the last words of Jonah recorded in this book. 
Stupid words, right? Again, aren't you glad you weren't in the Bible? I mean, it's, right, we'll get to heaven. It's like, hey, man, those last words, pretty dumb. Face palm. I can't believe I said that. It is right for me to be angry about this plant. It's kill me, Lord. Those are the last words that, uh, that Jonah ever recorded. But thank God, not the last words of the book, because God's mercy gets the last word. And he said, shouldn't I pity Nineveh? The idea is this. How much more should God be concerned about the destruction of persons that are made in his image, even if they are Assyrians? You know, God made of one blood all people. And so God's response to Jonah shows the prophet that Jonah, you really don't know me as well as you think you do. This idea of those who cannot discern between their right and their left hand, the idea is they're unable to make moral judgments. Um, This is probably children. Now, I I pick on Valerie sometimes because she gets her right hand mixed up from her left hand, and I'll say, which way do I turn? And she'll go, that way. And I'm like, "Uh, which way? That way. So I got to look. I'm like, that's right. She's like, yeah, yeah, right, right. You know, or and she does it. And so I started calling her a Ninevite. Because Ninevites can't tell their right hand from their left hand. So she got mad at me. And, but, but really, that's not what it means. That's not what it means. It, it's, it's, it's referencing children. More than likely, it's referencing children. And so here, because there's 600,000 in the city. And so here you have 120,000 Children, just children, that's where you, you could blow up the number, it can even get larger. So the lesson is clear. Not only does God's concern for people go beyond Israel, uh, it's, it's the right thing for him to do. It's the right thing for him to do. And I might add this, he cares about kids. Jonah didn't even care about the innocent ones and the children in, in Nineveh. You're talking about a conflicting uh, set of values in this man's life. He valued the plant, but he didn't value children. Hey, and is it much different in our world today? I mean, save the embryo of an eagle or go to jail for 100 years, but let's just take that life in a mother's womb, a human life in a mother's womb, right? And what about that leaked Supreme Court doc? We need to pray about that, y'all. And, uh, you know, I don't see that as a political issue. Some people do. I see it as a moral issue and a biblical issue. I'm pro-life. I make no bones about it. And if anybody ever had an abortion, I know a God that's a good God and an awesome God and a forgiving God. And I, and I, and I know that life went back to uh, the Lord from, from which it came. I get all that. But at the same time, hey, we need to defend life wherever we can. That's the most vulnerable in our midst, Jonah cared more about a plant than he did about a baby in Nineveh. God forbid that that be the testimony of the church in these days. So, uh, children, that's what that's referring to. And then uh, we see in Acts 10 where the Lord sent uh, Peter to Cornelius and he said, In truth I perceive that God is no, has no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. He understood there's God's no respecter of persons. He said, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? We've already talked about how great the city was, massive, 60 miles around. 
took you three days to walk across it. You had uh, 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 inner wall and an outer wall. That inner wall is 50 feet wide, 100 feet up in the air. They had towers 200 feet up into the air, 1,200 of those towers, massive, great city. It's a great city. Jewish tradition says that after God said the words of Jonah 4.11, when, when he said, should I not have mercy on them? Jonah fell on his face and said, govern your world according to the measure of mercy as it is said to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. And they have Jonah quoting from the book of Daniel. I don't know if that's exactly true or not, but I would imagine that Jonah had met his match when he had this conversation with God and he was shifting. God, God's message was coming through. We can only hope that Jonah uh, humbled himself and learned, and, and I believe he did. But, you know, the question comes down to us. And here's what I got out of this last part here, is that God cares about people more than he cares about my comfort. I'm self-preserving. I, I want to be comfortable. But sometimes... The business of saving people calls for me to be uncomfortable. And, and that's, that's what I get from this. That, that plant, he was so in love with that. What are we in love with that's keeping us from reaching out to people? My security, my ego, my pride, my, you know, demure, you know, my, my, uh, my image. Uh, I don't want to blow my image. Uh, when people are dying and going to hell, like I need to, I need to have the heart of God. Ought not these people? Are you kidding me, Donovan? You care more about your pride. You care more about your yourself. You care more about your image. You know, you care more about your money. You care more about your stuff. You you're, you're not willing to sacrifice to become uncomfortable to reach the lost. I want to be that kind of church, a sacrificing church. I want to be a sacrificing pastor more than ever. Amen? So he's like, should I not pity Nineveh, that great city? And then uh, really what's happening here is this, the, the underlying story, story here is the transformation of this prophet Jonah. Won't you stand with me right now? God was really preparing Jonah, his prophet. Jonah got mad, ticked off. God wasn't doing things his way. God has this problem. He thinks he's God. Jonah was mad about it. And so Jonah did a few things that were just terrible. So in closing, let me just admonish you. Don't do what Jonah did. First thing he did was he quit. Jonah quit. I don't like the way you're doing it, God. I'm out of here. Second thing he did was he isolated himself from other people, other believers. He, he, he isolated him. He ran. Hold up. When he's in that ship before he's thrown overboard and the fish eats him, he's in the bottom of the boat sleeping. He's by himself. He isolated himself. Jonah was this spectator. I'm going to go sit on the hill and watch God just wipe him out. Those are 
things that we end up doing out of anger. I'm, uh, I'm just going to quit. Hook it. You ever quit church? I did. I was mad. I quit church. Uh, then isolate. Blows my mind. People want fellowship in the church. But we need each other. Iron sharpens iron. I'll tell you what doesn't sharpen iron. Wood, hay, stubble, the stuff in the world. It doesn't sharpen iron. It doesn't do it. You need to be with other believers that are saying, that's, come on, you can make it through this. You've got this. God's going to help you through this. If God spoke that to you, then you need to follow that to the best of your ability. Or they can say, you know what, let's, I'm going to pray with you about that. Maybe that was just your flesh. Let's pray about it. I think God can give us an answer. Like that, that kind of accountability, that isolation, bad thing. It's all out of anger and fear. And then he was just a spectator. He never was, you know, it was hard for him to get back in the game. But God got him back in the game. God got him back in the game. Ah, well, there you go. There's Jonah. How about that? That old guy. What a trip. Easy, man. He's fun to preach. He's just easy to cut on and dice up, you know. What an idiot. Until you start looking at some application to yourself and you're like, yeah, yeah, guilty, guilty, guilty. But these things are written for our example that we can learn from them. Would you close your eyes right now and just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness. Thank you that you are slow to anger. Thank you, Lord, that your mercy and your loving kindness is extended to us even in our hard-hearted times, God. When we run to the the Gibraltars and, and the strongholds and we try to get away from you, Lord, we can't ever really, really get away because surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Thank you for that, God. Thank you for that. Thank you for joining us. And for more information, you can visit us at GoBethesda.com. You can also visit us in person at 15050 Daigle Road, Prairieville, Louisiana. Services are at 10 a.m. Sunday and 7 p.m. on Wednesday.